you get this kind of overconfidence, which is basically where every like teenager well, is. I think this right? is because you thing. don't know what you don't know. You don't know. know what you don't know, but you feel like you know stuff. Well, to relate this back to the game jam, I mean, that was the same thing where up until actually doing one, game making games to me was like a completely inaccessible just magic and then i did it and i was like i can do this <laughs> right you made one terrible game in 48 hours yeah, and then and you look like, at I can yeah, and then you look at you know call of duty and you're like this is basically the same yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 94 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the cert- certifiable SSLer. I'm Sam and I'm the Nodestradamus. And today, <laughs> today okay, is tax day. Yeah. 2017. Wait, does this go live on tax day? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Better. Wait. Today's tax no. day. Yeah, today is tax the day. day after. Yeah. Well, I thought the tax day was the 19th. 18th. 18th. Today's the 18th? Yeah. Oh, shit, I gotta, I gotta wire <laughs> Adam's gonna have to run out of here. After. Oh, yeah, by the way, speaking of shit, there's gonna be profanity on this show. Uh, Sorry. So if you're, a, if you're a youth or a baby or a child or a platypus of sorts, mm-hmm. then uh, you shouldn't be listening to this because mm-hmm. you either can't understand English or you're just too easily offended. Mm-hmm. And your skin is too thin. And a lot of platypus, I milk. think, have, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the part that excretes milk is pretty thin, but the rest is not bad. Yeah. Your milk membranes are too thin for this podcast, and you just got to get out. (laughs) All right, listen, folks. What? We got news. We got news out the wazoos this week. We do. We got a bunch of exciting stuff. Hitting the pack. So we got it. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to blaze through it as quickly as we can. Four seventeen. Uh, because blaze. although it's all super interesting and we're excited to talk about it, we also have a lot of questions we want to get to. So we're just gonna have to do everything. Okay, let's go. Really fast and hard. Are right, you guys on board? You yeah. ready? To, you ready to go? You ready to do I'm, this? I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm excited. All right, so for starters, news item number one. This past week, Adam went for a run, got lost, learned how to use the sun to navigate, mm-hmm. and then went back home. The question is. How does one get lost when going for a run <laughs> near one's own home? Let's it, talk about this. Well, the answer is very simple, which is that I have aphantasia and have no visual memory. So every time I go anywhere, it looks like I'm in a new place. Yeah. So that's a real <laughs> thing. We've talked about some podcasts before. About yeah, 5% of people. So, so your visual memory is a spectrum. Some people have photographic memory. Most people uh, have kind of, you know, you can form pictures in your mind roughly, you know, not mm-hmm. super crystal clear. It's like a down res JPEG. Yeah. 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 And you tend to use this to remember things, right? So like, you'll be like, where did I leave my keys? And you'll kind of like quickly look through Conjure the, up an image. You'll look through the various snapshots of your past five hours. And sometimes your keys will be there. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, oh yeah, it's by that bowl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can't, if you can't summon pictures at all in your mind, which is the farthest end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. which is where Adam That's where is. I live. Then you can't reuse any visual memory. So every time you see things, yeah, you, you, it's like you've never seen it before. You said that you well, have, so, no, you so have so familiarity. Are, yeah. So right. things, things when I see them, they're not surprising. Like so, they so they still right, look but you got to see it. But I have you to can't, see it. you can't. Yeah. Uh, I can't see it in my mind. Yeah. So, so you couldn't, life. you couldn't. You know, people say like, oh yeah, just retrace your steps in your mind. Yeah. It's can't like, do that. Can't, you can't do it because so the idea of uh, there's a thing called tacit memory, which is so if you take an Alzheimer's patient and you train them on anything like uh, anything that's essentially a learned skill. So, you know, painting or anything like that over time, they do get better at painting that they have no memory of being able to paint, for example, mm. um, or any sort of skill like that becomes yeah, yeah. implicit. So they can do it, but they don't know that they can do it. So it's almost the same sort of thing. Or how like, it even works. You have no whatever. access to yeah. conjuring images, but if you see something, yeah, my, my brain is like, still storing it somewhere. Right. It just, I just don't have, so I know, I know you used to draw, 
in high school mm-hmm. a bit, but uh, so I guess yeah, when you're looking at a thing, yeah, I, like, I can I'm draw gonna put a thing a line. I'm looking at, yeah, yeah, but I can't, I can't make a make. You up can't a sort thing of like and, visualize what the final thing might look yeah, like. You know, I was always whatever. so worried that your uh, your migraines and your inability to navigate was due to the fact that it hit you in the head of the brick that one time. I think the the migraines came before it's that. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a but, separate, you know, unrelated. <laughs> but I didn't know. There were two things that I didn't know about until sometime after being hit in the head with a brick. Mm-hmm. One of them was that I was cross-eyed. <laughs> Did but that, was, that, was, other, that was before, too. That was okay, before yeah. the brick. That was we didn't brick. know, though. We didn't know at that right. time. We didn't know, but we think so. But who knows? Who knows? Though? And the <laughs> other one was that I can't conjure images in my mind, right. which mm. I didn't actually realize was a thing that other people could do that I couldn't until about a year ago. Right. So that means that I didn't discover either of these two things about myself until after the, after, after I brick. was hit in the head with a brick. A B. Yeah. So. And since you have no visual memory, you can't remember whether or not those things applied pre-brick. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to. It's, it becomes very difficult to to know. So you're not completely off the hook. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. might have done this. It was, but, it was uh, a childhood accident for oh yeah, everyone who's not yeah, worried. I mean, we've all been happen. there. We've all been there. You know, you're hanging out with your brother, playing with bricks. Hit him a in the wasp face. shows up. <laughs> you, you throw a brick at a wasp. Uh-huh. You swing a brick. Whatever you do with bricks and wasps, you did yeah. that thing. Mm-hmm. Just normal stuff. Stray brick corner just cracks your brother's skull. He passes you know? out in the grass. You go get your mom. You know, whatever. Everything's fine. It's just your classic <laughs> youngster with bricks and wasps <laughs> scenario. Although it would have been... Awesome if at that time the bug assault gun existed. Do you guys know oh, yeah. this? But then I just would have shot you in the head with the Yeah, but then it, but then it would have just been salt. <laughs> but it's so just it's just fine. like getting you get salt sprayed on you. That's, yeah, it's like, that's fair. It's like yeah, it's a little, stuck it's a little spring powered uh, it's a little plastic spring powered gun that it's shoots powerful. It shoots salt just like table salt. It's a shotgun, but with salt as its pellets, right? I mean I, I completely obliterated this enormous hideous <laughs> creature in my basement. <laughs> It was just sitting on the wall. It was one of those silverfish things. Oh, right? I hate those it things. was just sitting there. Oh, yeah. They're like an inch long. They're like 40 feet long and they've got yeah. a million legs. Yeah. And each and leg is 40 feet long. Yeah. So yeah. it was just sitting there on the wall and I was like, I have my, I have my I hate assault this thing. gun. So I went and I grabbed it. And it was the first time I got to shoot something with it. And so I was all, I was all excited. You know? <laughs> so I shot it and it just, there was no, it was evaporated. There was nothing there. I couldn't find any piece anywhere. And I was like, that sounds like This is like a super villain. Yeah, it's on you. That thing is in your, that's in your shirt or something. It's probably I, no, still I, there. I checked my shirt very carefully because that's what I thought too. I was like, it's got to be, but I did see one leg. That's a decoy leg. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust it. Who knows? But it's like those lizards. You know, when you're not looking, yeah, yeah. all the legs wiggle back together. Yeah. <laughs> it creates itself. Yeah, those fucking things are like the Terminator. I hate them. The liquid so metal silverfish. <laughs> all right, so all right, so next next news item, yeah. big one. Are we update our YouTube channel? Yeah. So we're trying to to reconfigure our YouTube channel to be a hub mm-hmm. for all kinds of cool shit that we're doing because uh, we realize we're just doing a terrible job of most things and including our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's in the works and I think it's ready to go now. Yeah, and uh, Seth's talk is up on there. So Seth did a talk at Pixel Press. Pixel last, Pop. Pixel Pop. Pixel Press right. is a company. Pixel Press is a company. Uh, Pixel Pop last year. Uh, about eight months ago. About eight months ago, which is finally available online. So you yeah. can go watch it. Uh, <laughs> It's about a 40 minute talk about how to just do what you want. And really it's good. I watched it last week, pet myself up Mm -hmm. from watching it. So nice job. Uh, You're going to, you're going to hear the word dang a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of dang. There's a good, (laughs) there's a good theory about dangs uh, Uh, in the talk. So if, if it's, if you know, uh, motivation (laughs) and I guess just being productive or a thing you're interested in, uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, we actually broke out all the different sections of our sort of the stuff we have available. So there's a section for talks. There's a section for the 
time-lapse videos and uh, Inkscape tutorials, Inkscape tutorials, Crashlands related stuff. So you can actually find things, which is yeah. So now you if you know, just go to YouTube, surprising. search for Butterscotch Shenanigans, our channel is the first the first thing. You mm-hmm. go there and do exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, on top of that, we we are working on the Podbot. By we, I mean Adam. Podbot. So Podbot will <laughs> Podbot. automatically upload these podcasts to YouTube with a cool image that Seth made on uh, last weekend. And well, you helped as well. But yeah, I did. Yeah. I put some pictures together. And mm-hmm. um, and then you can just enjoy the podcast in a more visual nature. Mm-hmm. It'll be just, it'll be like you're sitting there drinking coffee with us and in front of a fire. With a quadrupus in flux of juice box. And, and, and a, a sporadic flop rock. And a couple fish people just yeah. hanging out <laughs> so, in the background. Uh, just so, normal things. So that's going to be happening uh, probably either this week or next week, depending mm-hmm. on when Adam prioritizes it. And then uh, the other exciting stuff is, you know, people have been asking for both a jam list mm-hmm. of all of our old jam games and a book list. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, happy birthday to all yeah. of you! But this actually, we got a we got a question from a while back okay. from uh, from Brand fourteen fifteen, and Brand says you guys have suggested a lot of books over the last eighty two episodes of this thingy. So I guess this was like ten episodes ago. This question oh, was yeah. asked uh, from serious life altering world shaping volumes about stuff that like matters to <laughs> books. You've simply enjoyed reading. Any chance of getting a master list on your site? So we thought about this, and yeah, yeah, there is, there is, a, there's a hundred percent chance of this happening. Now. <laughs> so, uh, so Monique is actually putting together the book list page right now, right um, now, which has links to all the books as well as little blurbs and sort of a general section. So we broke it out into the core reading, which is essentially what we thought is just read it. All the all the books that I think you should just read as a human mm-hmm. to be really really effective, uh, do better in your life, enjoy your life just more. Just good stuff. Just to think good about. stuff. And then uh, from there, it breaks out into a bunch of other categories based on all the other things we've read. So some biographies in there. So I put the uh, Team of Rivals book, which is about Lincoln, which is one of my favorite books actually Ooh. ever, uh, as well as Thinking Fast and Slow, which is the sort of grandfather of psychology's uh, psychology book. It was written a few years ago, and um, and then we have. All sorts of other stuff. Adam's going to put some programming things in there mm-hmm. as well. So, so we're going to all that put together and those should be available at the time of the podcast. So if you want to check those out, uh, just go to the blog. I think it's on the community, the community pull down. Should, yep. yeah, should end up being at like slash books or scotch.net slash books. Maybe hopefully, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that's what it is. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. And, and of course we're, uh, we're also trying to, we thought this might be a cool way to support the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we've actually never, we've only spent money on the podcast. We've never <laughs> made money on it. Uh, and so we're going to be working on getting, uh, what is it called? Like the Amazon, Amazon affiliate, affiliate program. program. It'll be hooked up as soon as this thing's live. Yeah. So, so if yeah. you go to our book list, if you, there's a book on there you want, you like, um, if you'd follow the link through our site and buy the book that way, then we get a little, uh, we get a little cut. We get a little cut of it. You which spend is, exactly as much money as you would have. And we get some of so it. So that way you support <laughs> the podcast, you support the author and you support yourself yeah. and also Amazon, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the jam games are up. So that's the other big, yes. Thing. Um, Oh yeah. 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 So those will be up as well uh, at the time of the podcast. So if you go to itch.io um, or bscotch.itch.io, mm-hmm. which is, if you think about it, it's like bscotch itch, which kind of like jock itch, except yeah. it's good. It's you when your bscotch itches. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bscotch. Sure, that's dot itch dot io. <laughs> uh, we compiled. We basically dug through our graveyard and pulled up all of these jam games that we've made. Uh, not Seth, all of them, actually. Not all of them. We actually. left like some of them. We left them. rotting. <laughs> yeah, but Chauncey the Rabbit is actually there. So it's the original. Um, it's called Luck Runner. Actually, it's the and the original Tal fight, right? The original Tal fight. Because I think because the original Tal fight was the but, first game ever made by Sam and Seth. Yeah, yeah right. and it was pre butterscotch shenanigans by well. 
Butterscotch shenanigans was formed in June of 2012. We didn't even start making games under Butterscotch until later than that, right? right. But mm-hmm. like, so it's like a year before we started. Yeah, it was basically game. like a year. It was a year, oh, more than a year before Towel Fight 2, which right, was our right. first published game. But Chauncey so. the Rabbit, who made Chauncey? We, Sam and I made Chauncey. Two weeks. I was, a couple, was like weeks. a couple weekends. Uh, and that was, but that was before you full-time did or something? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a side project. Yeah. It. So if you, if you want to sort of see the, the evolution of our game skills, I guess, uh, it's a really fun sort of trip down memory lane. We did put the dates on all the games too. And so the total time when they were, when they were made. So, uh, all, a bunch of them are up there. It's not all of them, but a lot of people have asked for, for games like, uh, Shucks, which is that stealth, um, sh- head writing game as an alien. And then, uh, Chauncey the Rabbit, as well as stuff like Bread Brothers, I know CPR, um, a bunch of these jam games that we've talked about before, but most people have never actually gotten to play. Um, Goopademic also being one of them. So we've experimented with a ton of genres, and you'll be able to actually go to the jam page, pull them down and play them, and see all the stuff for yourself. And then the important thing is that uh, the whole point we we're doing, the reason we're doing this is because I think it's like we talked about last week. It's just really fun to actually show the evolution and say, because we always talk about how, like you're going to make garbage. Before you start making good stuff. Now you can see our garbage. Yeah. And uh, and you can and see- a lot the, of it is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you'll, you'll see some of the good parts and some of the ways that we sort of, you know, some of the things you start pulling through. Yeah. Uh, so like my favorite sort of garbage game that we made was Bread Brothers. Mm-hmm. Because- yeah, That was good. Because uh, it requires two controllers. Um, we had to use a, like a program called Joy to Key. Oh, yeah. To kind of like make it work. Uh, I think you can play it on a keyboard, but it's a two player game, two players only. So you can't play it by yourself. And there's no point to it. It's basically like one of you is a peanut butter slice of bread and one of you is a jelly slice of bread. And the the jelly person has like a (laughs) cannon that explodes and the peanut butter person has like a speed boost cannon thing. And so the explodey person can launch the other player mm-hmm. with the with the shockwave, and the speed person can boost the speed of the other player, right? So so each person's gun has a positive benefit to the others, and then you can also slap your slices together <laughs> to form a sandwich, where now the two of you are one character. Yeah, so you have two faces on and, one. And bread then whoever slice. initiates the whoever initiates the fusion controls the legs. <laughs> So like you, so if you, if you run up to your buddy and you you hit the button to slap your slice together, then you start running around and then they control the the gun and Mm -hmm. it fuses the guns together as well, which forms a gun that shoots a, it shoots out this rainbow, like rainbow ball. Mm. And then wherever that ball lands, it teleports the two of you to that location. Your sandwich comes apart and then you high five so hard (laughs) that everything, everything dies. dies. <laughs> uh, and we like, we spent so much time just like coming uh, up with these sandwich characters that the game itself is just a total piece of shit. Oh, yeah, it's like, there's, there's nothing to do. <laughs> you just, just knives fall from the sky. There's these knives that fall from the sky and you just shoot them. And there's, that's it. Like that's the whole thing. But the fun thing is because, because of those mechanics, when you're like, if you just have a buddy to play with, it's, you can waste a good like 10, 15 minutes just, Dooling around, around, we did slapping we, slices. We stood on top of each other and used the the rocket guy on the bottom, the mortar guy, to like try to ride up into the sky as high yeah. as we could go, just to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. So lots of goofy yeah, stuff. So, yeah, so we have all these games on there that are just kind of you could you could tell that like we had a, we had an interesting idea, but we just didn't know what the hell we were doing, and we yeah. didn't we just didn't nail it. Um, but yeah, I mean it's all there. It's all there for your perusal. So check it out. Um, and there's one final thing relating to jams, huh. which is. Uh, we have our hundredth episode coming up. Woo-hoo! 
in six weeks. Yep. Six six weeks, something like that. And uh, we thought, how could we celebrate having a hundred dang podcast episodes? hundred hours. It's a lot of, it's a lot of cast. And of course, this is a game dev podcast for people who are interested in game development or whatever, right? And so we thought, let's do a, let's do a jam. Let's do a community jam Mm. where we get our podcast listeners involved get everybody it's like a it's a hundredth episode celebration bonanza i believe is the term yeah bonanza and so we've got that now organized if you go to podcast.bscotch.net you'll see a link uh to the jam at the top of the page you can also go to uh itch.io slash jam slash bscotch 100 and that's our that's our 100th episode jam. And our hope is to get, I think we're going for like 14 million games yeah. coming out of this thing. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the low. End. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to be conservative with it, yeah. you know. Um, so far, we have 25 people signed up. So <laughs> yeah. we're definitely on we're track. We're well on the way. Yeah. Uh, I think if you assume, you know, that we're kind of growing exponentially. Yeah. I which think, I think is always the first. That's assumption. how things grow. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're a startup, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's the inevitable consequence. Yeah. So once the jam is done, obviously we're going to be bought out by, you know, Uber or something Yeah. The like jam that. is but, actually our exit strategy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be super fun. We have a discord channel as well. Um, or it's part of our community. Have we told channel? people what the themes are going to be? Or the how, th- no way. Yeah. How they're going to be generated? Yes. Okay. Wait, we uh, did tell them? Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. We told them what nope. it is, but. Because there's a hundred to choose from. Yeah. They don't, nobody knows what their theme is going to be specific. But I thought we we're going to let them just re-roll as much as they want. Yeah. yeah. So who cares? But yeah. The, <laughs> so why is this a secret? I'm going to go. It's not, it's not a I should go unlock that code again. It's not a secret. Uh, <laughs> so the the themes for the jam will be from a, a curated selection of our podcast episode titles. Which are off the rails pretty much all the time. Yeah. So you're going to yes. so you're gonna like roll your theme and it's going to be like pipe dirt battle. Or like mm-hmm. scream tubes and bacon babies <laughs> or whipped cream wrist sphincters. Yeah, I hope I get that one. That's what I, that's what I'm um, for. Yeah, we we were this kind of this kind of happened because we were thinking about a few episodes back, we were trying to think about what should we do to kind of celebrate. And then as we were looking through all of our old episodes, we were just like, holy shit, these episode titles would make great jam themes. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. So if you want to jam with us, if you want to jam with other uh, members of the B-Scotch community, other people who are listeners of the podcast, come on over to the jam. Let's do it. And by coming over, we mean go to Discord because we're not yeah. hosting it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's across the whole world. The whole yeah. world will be this jam. And our oyster. And it's going to be, the jam <laughs> will be occurring over Memorial Day weekend. So that's May 26 mm-hmm. through 28. And we've also gotten, I've gotten some messages from people who have said, I want to do the jam, but also I don't know how to program. So I guess I can't. Untrue. Can't Untrue. or won't. All of exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. None of us knew how to program when we started back in games. Yep. Yeah. And actually, uh, you know, with something like Game Maker, it's designed specifically for people who don't know how to program. So here's what you do. You get Game Maker. You do literally three or four tutorials, which shows you exactly mm-hmm. how to do it using drag and drop code. And then you're good to go. You're and good to got, go. You got something like five weeks or something to, mm-hmm. to learn it. So for reference, uh, I did the Game Maker tutorials for four hours. The night before I made my first game over two days for a game yeah. jam. Yeah. That's all I needed. We would recommend though, taking do more than that. Probably. Oh yeah. yeah more than that. <laughs> I, was, I was phoning that shit in. Hard. Let's be real. Yeah. But, but the point stands, which is even if you phone that shit in, you can still make a game. Mm-hmm. Believe so, in yourself, you know, and, well, and just get to work, you know, get to work. Yeah. You will, you will surprise yourself. Uh, that if you, if you take some time over the next few weeks, get game maker, go through the tutorials, mm-hmm. 
pop in uh, and you've got 48 hours to make a game during this jam, you will be amazed at the kind of things. I will say, if you've not done it before, there are, there's, I think, not a more transformative thing that I've done in my life in a two day span than the first game jam I ever did. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. So do it. And we'll try to provide some advice leading up to the thing, you know, about well, get, that's, getting your life in order, getting in gear, ready to yeah. ready to blow. Well, and that's kind of a that's kind of a cautionary point too, which is like, so I was in law school, mm-hmm. right? And I went to my first game jam, and then I dropped out of law school. Yeah, it, you know, it might so cause some changes. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if you're not ready for that, then be, you know maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, that's right. Maybe you shouldn't jam that. responsibly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get on to questions. These questions come from uh, our. Come from our listeners. Uh, these are submitted through podcast.bscotch.net. So if you would like to have your question answered on the podcast, come on over to podcast.bscotch.net. Yeah. Ask some questions. <laughs> yeah. And why you have to spell it with all those inflections, though. Yeah. yeah. It requires There's, a lot of UTF-8 characters. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. it's a little hard to type. You know, you know, like when people do that thing where, like, they keep making the words smaller right, and smaller yeah, super scripts. scripts. I love that. That's kind of like, that's how you, that's how you get to yeah. podcast.bscotch.net. Right. Uh, all right. So first question comes from Woland77. Hmm. Woland says, you have talked about your tool hype. Have you ever made a tool and realized you spent more time on the tool than you would have on doing the task without it? Yes. Or put a lot of time into building a tool that you've never used. Also, yes. Mm. So I put a hundred hours into the, the butter smooth shenanimator. Super cool. It's it a, very cool. It's amazing, uh, but it turned out to just be way too damn slow. It was an Although, animation. Have you tried it in Game Maker Two? No, because I have to rebuild it. Oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, but the interesting point there is that, and this is the point I think about tools generally, is that when you go that deeply into a problem, because actually we we used a lot of the concepts now for how the animations handled in our next game. It's not done through that tool, but you yeah. learn so much from the tool from building it. Yeah, that now yeah, the game is better. Right, because the, the problem being solved was how do we make a generic animation system specific to our animation style and to our software Engine, right. suite, right? Um, and so Seth had to sit down and solve that problem, yeah, which was very hard. But once he solved it, now he can use all those concepts. Yeah, so well, exactly yeah, right. the interesting thing is it was 100 hours to build the Shenanimator. Turned out to be a bust. Um, then we turned around and did a jam. It was a three-day jam. And I thought, well, I know enough about this now, about how to solve these problems, that maybe I can make a sort of very bare bones version of the Shenanimator. Oh, was it the birding game? No, it was uh, it was our hack and slash uh, oh, prototype. Prototype, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it was about four hours. I pieced together an, an entirely new set of scripts uh, to do this generic animation stuff, but in a much more streamlined and optimized mm-hmm. way. And that's actually what we're using now mm-hmm. to animate. In our, yeah. in our new so stuff. the interesting thing is, even if you make a tool or go through the work of, you know, it's kind of like a game design doc, right? I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to make one and then just throw it in the trash like a week later. But having gone through the process of making it oftentimes is what gives you the power to really efficiently move forward. Right? Well, yeah. And just in general, it's it's about learning how to solve problems anyway, which just takes experience. Because my I've been making tools ever since I started programming. That was why I started programming. And that was why I got into it. So that, you know, starting, what, 10 years ago now, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and I started making stuff for my lab work. So I was doing for data analysis or for helping me design experiments or whatever. And I remember, uh, I mean, I made a stupid number of things that were overly ambitious. They were bigger than they needed to be things that I never needed to use things that were just poorly thought out. You know, there's just a lot of 
trial and error when you're trying to build stuff. And so I, I would spend a lot of time trying to make things have like nice, a nice user experience, even though I was the only person who would ever use it. Right. Or, <laughs> or, or but kind of assuming that maybe this would be a tool that other people could use without really realizing how specific my problems were that right. I was solving and that sort of thing. Uh, and I mean, and I spent, you know, literally years and years and years making tools that to varying degrees were just the wrong scope. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's really what this question is about, right? Is, is scoping out your tools properly. Yeah, and that's, and that's something that you just need more experience to understand yeah. context. Better. Right. Yeah. Right. You just have to be okay with making tools that sometimes you shouldn't have made. It's the same right. thing with games, right? Yeah, it's exactly your first ones are going to be completely off the mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's fine. Well, this, yeah. this is, I think is a bigger, bigger question, uh, which is actually, it's a conversation that came up in our, in our game dev course yeah. last week mm-hmm. with some of our students post post lecture um, is the question of, of sort of when do you sort of walk away from a game? How do you know that a game was like worth it? You know, all this stuff. And, and really, you know, we talk about tools development about like taking the time to solve a problem so you never have to solve it again. Uh, But really you should take a step back and realize that everything that you do is a tool. Yeah. Like everything that you experience should, you should treat it as an instrument uh, to, solve problems later, right? The experience that you gain, the lessons that you learn, even if, even if you make a game that fails or you like read a book that you hated, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. or that you just, or you hear somebody talking about something that you completely disagree with. Um, those things are actually really important to take note of and take a step back and think about mm-hmm. why you think the things that you think, why things happen the way that they did. Or uh, even, I mean, even skills that, that you think wouldn't apply just to anything. So for a good example of this, so we're, we're trying, we're working on, uh, on the title for this next game that we're working on. And, uh, part of the difficulty with coming up for a title for things, you know, essentially generating an all encompassing word that's new, that is able to be potentially trademarked or get it's a marketable, it's marketable. People will remember it, that it's not confusing in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that somehow also carries the character of your game through. And uh, part of the difficulty with it is you can sort of, you get tunnel vision real quick. Mm-hmm. So you come up with a, a couple of different sort of concepts and start mashing them together. And so uh, what I did actually over the, the weekend was uh, I was thinking about it and I was like, where can I get just essentially what would be random, really well put together words? And I was like, poetry. Because I used yeah, to read and write poetry. Because yeah. yeah. it's, it's people <laughs> being clever with words. And I was yeah. like, that's what I need. So I went and I uh, found uh, Billy Collins, who's a phenomenal poet who I used to read. Really accessible and hilarious poetry stuff. And found a bunch of his work. It's like all online. So I just went and read like 80 Billy Collins poems and was just looking <laughs> like I had to sort of like creative feelers out, you know, you just, you just, but then also just get hit. the practice of, of having your brain work in that same way. Yeah, right? exactly. And so I, uh, and I was thinking about it. Well, after I, I finished uh, sort of reading all those and generating some new ideas for titles and, and I was like, I should actually keep that, like that sort of habit of either writing poetry or whatever else. The reason you do it, any of those habits is so that you have this other mode that you can operate in so you can see problems maybe a little bit different or have access to a way of thinking that's a little bit different, whether it's programming, poetry, or, you know, generally writing or anything. Yeah, getting outside of your normal way of thinking. Yeah. So a lot of these things that you don't, you might not think are applicable. Usually you can actually figure out how to apply them at the end of the day um, with a little bit of of foresight. Yeah. It turns out if you, if you think about stuff and are constantly trying to learn things, it's pretty good. Design. Well, yeah. this is actually, I think there's a, it's a, it's a curse though, because is it a you, blurse or just, it's just a curse. straight curse Fuck. because you don't know this uh, until you're much older. Yeah. <laughs> like sure. you you yep. can't yeah. know how much things matter 
until you've seen the enough. consequences of knowing or not knowing things long yeah. enough, right? And uh, because the first, you know, 18, whatever to 20-ish years of your life, you are forced into an existence where nothing you do actually matters, mm-hmm. right? You, uh, you, you either get the A, B, C, D, or F, right. but the consequence is that you just move on to the next class, the end, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you succeed or fail or whatever, mm-hmm. like maybe you'll retake it, but it's just nothing matters, right? And this is the way everything is. So there's that, there's that kind of like age old question that students always ask, which is how, what, how am I ever going to use this? Mm-hmm. When am I ever going to use, you know, this like sine tangent cosine nonsense? Mm-hmm. That's also right? why people argue against liberal arts educations, right? Yeah. When are you ever going to use it? Yeah. yeah. And the problem is you don't, you don't know, you don't know when you're going to use it until you need it. And then, and then you're like, you're like oh, shit. Thank, or you're like, oh, <laughs> thank God. But it's yeah. also it's also not about using it, right? It's about having had that that way of thinking Correct. attached to your brain so that sometime down the road, I mean, the fact that you can use, you know, programming, you know, and algorithmic approaches that you would use for solving computer problems, that you can just apply those to everyday life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or that becoming a good reader, because you read all kinds of old stuff, you know, makes you familiar with things that people are saying when they're trying to convince you of things. Now you, right. now you can see what they're doing because people have been doing that for 200 years. And if you'd only read a few books, you would know that. Right. Yep. You know, so what's so yeah, that, just, what's that term of like the, uh, the curve of expertise where the there's J a curve, there's a certain point where you know so little that you just have no concept of how little you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at a certain point, are you're you talking about Dunning Kruger, Dunning Kruger. Yeah. But that's not the curve. That's the Dunning-Kruger effect. effect. Yeah, it's what's well, basically there's the a curve. the J curve is the one. Yeah, it's it's the idea yeah. that uh, that there's a there's a difference between your perceived knowledge about something, like how much you think you know, mm-hmm. versus how much you actually know. Mm-hmm. And there, when you're first learning about something, you get this kind of overconfidence, which is basically where every like teenager. Well, is, I think this right? is because you thing. don't know what you don't. You don't know. know what you don't know, but you feel like you know stuff. Well, to relate this back to the game jam, I mean that was the same thing where up until actually doing one game making games to me was like a completely inaccessible just magic concept it was like what the fuck mm-hmm. and then i did it and i was like i can do this <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, one terrible game in 48 hours yeah, and then you look like, at I can yeah, and then you look at you know call of duty and you're like this is basically the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so there's which is good so the, the, the thing is i think you there's need a it. degree of that confidence yeah. or or you know hubris right at the start that you kind of need to push you off mm-hmm. the cliff that you don't know is a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Wiley Coyote thing. You're like, yeah, and you run off you the edge. You don't realize that <laughs> you're floating for a brief <laughs> moment. Yeah. And, brief, and then of course, moment. and then there's that, like, then there's that point where you learn enough that you suddenly start to realize how far you actually have to go. Yeah. And then you sort of get the imposter syndrome. Like yeah. you kind of underestimate your knowledge or whatever. But for the I, rest I think of time. the problem is, is because of the way our schooling works, um, our goal is to try to like introduce people to a sort of a little bit of everything, right? And so you learn like a little bit of math, a little bit of English, a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of science, you know, a little bit of whatever. Uh, yeah, and so then, you either know how little exactly how little you know because you're at the very beginning of the curve, or you're really overcome. Or you're way overcome, right? Because I remember, I remember being, <laughs> yeah. I remember being a teenager, or being, or even oh, like yeah. being in college, yeah. and I just thought I was the shit. Like, yeah. I, my teachers would start talking about something like, oh, I know where this is going, you know. It's like, <laughs> Uh, and it's just, it's just the, it's kind of the curse where now, now that, you know, now looking back, uh, there's so many things that I just wish I was less cocky about and that I just fucking listened. So so it's almost like, so our educational system almost just puts you right in the, it puts you right in the overconfident of the J curve. And then you wonder why Americans are the way we are. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because I, I, I think there's a problem where, um, 
you need to know a lot of things in order to learn a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. there's kind of like, you got to get like dip your toe into the oceans of knowledge, mm-hmm. all these different pools. Um, but you can't recognize what it means to truly not know something until you've started to go deeply right. into one particular thing mm-hmm. and just realize how far down that rabbit hole goes. Yeah, so it's not even about age, as you sort of said at the beginning, that you can't understand it until you're older. Right. It's that you can't understand the value of a thing until you have used it. It's not yeah. even until you realize yeah. you need it because you yeah. can't realize you need it. Because all you've, useful. quote, used it for mm-hmm. is tests. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's yeah. it. That's but, all you But that means though that if, if there's something you've never done before, like if you've never tried to make a game, mm-hmm. right, it is literally impossible for you to understand anything about what it means to do that and how difficult it would be and like what you yeah. would need to know and if how your knowledge would you apply. Got no context. Because you have zero context. You have to actually do it to get, which is the whole catch 22 of, of becoming awesome at stuff, mm-hmm. right? is you can't understand anything about where you are and what you, what you need until you just go ahead and do mm-hmm. it. And so that's why you always need to, you always have to do things before you're ready. If you ever yeah. get to a point where you're like, well, I would do this game jam, but I haven't programmed enough or like I've never done art. No, go do shit. it. You don't understand. Like doing, doing it is the vehicle to doing programming or doing yeah. art or whatever. There's, else. there's no other way. Yeah. yeah. And now that I'm a programmer, I'm looking back. I'm like, I wish I was a math major. And I wish, yep, right. I wish I knew more about X, Y, and Z. Um, Literally. But because I didn't, <laughs> but because I didn't know. Nice. Again, because I kept thinking, what am I going to use that for? Right. right. And now I really need to use it right. all the time. And I can't because. Mm-hmm. Except there's nothing stopping you now though, either. Yeah. Literally nothing. You can just go buy a book. And well, the only it. thing stopping me now is burn rate. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Like, I got I to gotta produce based on the tools yeah. I have. And work. then the extra time I, I, I uh, well, put get, toward learning. To go so. back to the question as far as like a, a tool that I worked on that was a useless piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got AutoHotKey, like I've always been seeing the praises of AutoHotKey, which is a, a little scripting engine you can get. has really simple scripting language that allows you to essentially make hotkeys for anything you want on your entire computer. And we use it. Uh, the language is... I mean, you call it simple. I call it confusing as fuck. I thought it was because it seems to have easy. no co- coherent rules, which set. is pretty much how I operate. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, right, I'm, I'm right at home. So no coherent rule set. I'm in. <laughs> so, so as an agent of chaos, it just fits. So, uh, so I, I, you know, I got a hotkey and I set up a bunch of basic ones first, a bunch of easy stuff, and then uh, when I really got into it after I used those, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hotkey uh, changing things like the fill, the fill and the stroke size. Um, using the side dialogue menus in Inkscape and coded this whole thing up. And it was like really fucking complicated. And then I go in Inkscape, start using it. It's working great. Close it. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to speed me up so much. Open up uh, Inkscape again. And the problem was that the dialogue windows get sorted depending on when you turn them on. So as a result, the thing I had made, which depends on clicking on very precise places on the screen, for example, uh, was now just clicking on essentially a different dialogue window. Right. And so, <laughs> so you hit your hotkey and just everything. And I spent like an eight hours on this thing, <laughs> yeah. like scripting the shit out. And I was so pleased. I was like, yes. And then and you it forgot was that useless. one little detail. That, that one little detail that just broke the whole yeah, thing. Well, it was just also like when I made our, our uh, the ink pump or mm-hmm. the ink bot, right? It was the same kind of deal. It was like, we, we thought we knew... We what thought the we knew was. the problem, and then you actually solve that problem, and it turns out actually no. Here's this new list of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't work, right? You know? um, but yeah, but but that doesn't mean that the tool is useless. It just meant you got to go back and retool it well, if, if you wanted it to do it. That right. one, yeah. that one in particular was useless because I couldn't. You could use. There's it. no way I could. You couldn't, take that, <laughs> right, you couldn't take that same approach. That particular to, one, yeah. 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 But I did learn a ton, which made me super comfortable on hockey. So right, speaking of art. And of imposter syndrome, et cetera. Ooh, yeah. We got a question from Ulfbane. Mm. Ulfbane says, at Sam the Node Wiggler, 
Let's use this as my title. Salmon Node Wiggler. Salmon Node Wiggler. Uh, how long did it take you to feel that your artwork was professional enough for public consumption? I worry that my work is never good enough, even when I have loads of feedback to the contrary. I feel like that's a bit of a humble brag there. Oh, yeah. But that's uh, a whole brag. Also, who's this feedback coming from? Because it's coming from your friends. If it's coming people, from your friends and family, they're lying. Yep. But if it comes from people who prefer never trust to be positive over productive, also don't trust. Yeah. If it comes from a million people, you're good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess the way I think about this is I, it's essentially been a running joke in the studio actually for a good long while because I've never, I've always sort of bristled at being called an artist because the, the general like tone of that word to me doesn't quite fit what I do with the art nor how I feel about it because I don't draw in my spare time. I literally, I just do art or for the video games, games yep. only. Um, and so I think the interesting part about it is that for me in particular, that idea of not having good enough Art has never gone away and will never go away because as I said, once you get far enough in, I think there was, there was a few moments in making Quadrupus Rampage where I was like, oh, this is good. Like, this is actually a good thing. And then since then, I've just been fine with the fact that I think my art is not very good and that I can only see, or like not only see, but I could primarily just see all the ways in which I should be improving it or looking at other games and seeing kind of how they do effects or whatever else. And just always wanting to do the next thing with it. And so it's you should never, always want to improve. Yeah, but I think yeah. the reality is that that's actually, because that's how I feel about myself as a programmer. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, like, I'm not, shouldn't. I don't feel like it's not good enough. I just think this could be so much better. Yeah. That's it. But I don't, I don't, I don't simultaneously, like, you can do both, I guess, is the interesting thing. You can, you, you can to. say, oh, this, this is garbage compared to, you know, Michelangelo, mm-hmm. but it's good enough. Good enough for government work. Yeah. So, um, so what about though this this the idea of your work being professional enough for public consumption? Because I think uh, there's one important way to find out, which is sell, sell it. Sell it. <laughs> yeah. And you'll you'll just you'll find you'll out. You'll just find out. Because yeah, the thing is, if, if people, people, if buy, people it, buy it, then it's, it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's just, it's that's true. <laughs> I think it's, that's kind of the, the interesting <laughs> thing is the the market has acted as this weird sort of buffer in that regard. I guess because the thing mm-hmm. is, like we've made and sold games, which uh, as a result has made us the you know, as a, as an artistic professional, I may be like one of the most successful artists around in terms of selling your work. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Would I call my art the most professional art around? No, not by any <laughs> stretch. Uh, but in terms of it being able to be, to operate in a professional sphere. Well, and actually, yeah. so there's a, uh, there's a book called the artist's way, mm-hmm. which is going to be on our book yeah. list. Um, and it's been highly recommended. I've, I haven't actually read it until I just started reading it this past week. Um, because I feel like I already do most of the things in it, yeah. but it's just a really good way to kind of get perspective. There's a really important note in this book where they talk about how a lot of people who are just getting started in their craft or even feel like they're really talented, maybe like haven't hit the success that they want or whatever. They'll see somebody who's out there, but like maybe they're a singer and they'll see so like a mm-hmm. pop singer or something. And they'll be like, I can't believe that that person is so famous. Like they're not that talented. Right. You know? um, but the book makes an important distinction there between like talent and audacity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> where, where some people, uh, either like land in the right spot. Uh, they, they f- like make just the right connection. Or it have, doesn't matter how, you know, un- how, like how maybe they're not the best. Right. Or right? just have the right alchemy of like weird skills and appearance and everything else. Yeah, right. It's yeah. business savvy. Yeah, there's tons of stuff going on besides yeah. just, a just like skill. getting up on the stage and yeah, right, I mean, there are plenty and, of yeah. really good games people have made that have sold effectively zero copies, right? There's plenty of medium games that have gone gangbusters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Or even games that are very poorly reviewed that have done very well. 
Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, just, just having the audacity to just go for it, mm-hmm. just don't worry about whether it's professional for, for public consumption because you'll find out, Yeah, you know, when you go to sell it. Mm-hmm. And there's, and there's, there's a niche, there's a, there's a business niche for just about any damn thing, you know? So if you're making something that is unique, even if you look at it and you're like, this isn't as good as some other stuff that I've seen from other people, right? But if you're making something interesting and unique and it's, it's got, it's good enough, it's good enough, right? Then if you can find a way to market it, then you can, but it's important to not try to market bad stuff as being unique. Right. You mean, so you mean the badness being the, unique. the badness yeah. being unique. Yeah, and this yeah. is something that you see in, in green light a lot, mm-hmm. actually, uh, or if you go and you find games where that are this pretty steam green light, steam green light. Yeah. There's a lot of games in there that are, you know, people making their first game or whatever, or maybe they're doing a solo project and they aren't an artist by mm. trade and they've never done much art. Or so a class project. They're trying to make their own art for the game. And it just, it just is rough. Right, it's just rough around the edges, and people will come in and say, "Yeah, I like the concept of this game, but I don't like how it looks," you know. And the person will will jump into the comments and defend it, and they'll say, Which is "Something you should literally never yeah, do. You yeah. should never do this." But they'll jump in the comments and say, "It's not bad. It's just it doesn't look like other things." It's like, well, it's just my style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. get you don't get to decide thing, when you're making is, a product. You don't yeah. get to decide if it's good. You do, yeah, yeah, you don't get to tell you don't get to tell people how good it is. Mm-hmm. They get to decide how good it is. Yeah. Um, and so, so you should try to ratchet up to their expectations. Yeah, I think there is one one interesting note too, and I think this is from uh, uh, Tim Rustwick, who runs a thing called Game Dev Underground. Um, he talked about the concept of going from zero to one being the important piece when it comes to game dev or anything else, and that's the hardest bit to cover. And the, the whole idea is, that, I assume this isn't on a probability metric because that's from the no, least yeah, to the most. Right, right, no. Okay, zero to one is in like sales or right. games published. Making like, something good enough that somebody will recognize. Yeah, yeah, making that first sale is the hard part, actually. Like doing doing all the work to publish a game, have your LLC in order, market it, whatever else. I still remember our first review we ever got for a game ever. Yeah. Andy Chalk in mm-hmm. Game Zebo wrote about mm-hmm. Gerblins. Yeah. And he was like, it's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Three out of five. Yeah. But the thing is, that was that was a crack in the door, but he, right? But he said he wrote that and he, we were like, he gave us three stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Three more than we expected. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the interesting thing is that there's a ton of work that goes from zero to one. And then after that, it's just scale, right? It's saying, okay, I did that once. I made $5. We mm-hmm. used to call it sandwich money. So I'm making sandwich money right now off my games. $5 a day. That was our first goal. How do I make like sandwich plus beefy noodle money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do I make, uh, you know, lunch and dinner money? Yeah. And then it's, how do I pay my rent? Mm-hmm. And then you just keep on scaling it up. And the, th- the hardest thing is just, is that first that first zero to one, we talked about this podcast too. Um, you know, going from, it was, it's lucky that essentially we have lucky. It's a, it's a product of our ecosystem that we have our games to sort of feed people into our podcast, for example. But when it comes to actually marketing a podcast and stuff, we don't know actually mm-hmm. how to do it. We've never gone from zero to one in podcast terms because we just took our games and sort of applied them. Which has made us lazy. Very lazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <It becomes laughs> and with our podcast. YouTube channel, right? Because we, we have automatic... Because we don't, we don't even use YouTube to try to drive traffic to our our trailers, right? Yeah. We, we use other things, and then we say, now that's going to buoy up our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, but we, we don't actually, yeah, we, we haven't consciously we have tried to, to market basically anything. Except, except for our games. Except for our games. But even our games, yeah. though, I'm not really sure. Yeah, we got we got some things to figure out. <laughs> All right, so next question comes from the Giuseppe, mm. who says, and I think it's interesting. So far, nobody's ever. This is a one of a kind question. Nobody has ever asked this question mm. before. Mm. Hey, how are you guys? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm doing good, right? <laughs> yeah, this, I guess this last two weeks was pretty whack. 
my life, but yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I had a, <laughs> yeah, I had a cancer scare last week. I'm fine. Yeah. We didn't want to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, so Cancer came out of the closet. And it was like, boo. Yeah. And then it turned out it was just a, it was just it was a, huge, just a huge beefy muscle, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got that figured <laughs> out. Scan it. And they're like, yeah, that's, uh, so my wife got in a car accident. She's fine though. Cars are destroyed, but she's fine. So it's been a little bit stressful. <laughs> my, wife, weird. my wife's in India for a couple weeks. So I'm just hanging out with a dog by myself in the evenings, weeping. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Crying alone. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, same deal. Uh, my wife's not in India, but she has to work constantly. So it comes out about the same. It's, it's like she's in yeah. India. Uh, so I mostly, I've just been programming basically nonstop for two weeks, which has yeah, been yeah. great, but it's put me in a really weird mental spot. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting how to be careful. I'm yeah, forgetting how to talk to people. I've found that if I know. program, I have to, I have to stop programming a, like a, at least a couple hours before I go to bed or I just don't sleep. Yeah. I fucked up last night. Well, there, there, I just literally this problem sleep. that I've been trying to battle that I have, it keeps defeating me. Mm. And so last night I was like, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to fucking solve it before I go to bed. Oh God. And so... <laughs> So, but I got, so, <laughs> no. so I thought I solved it and it was like, and I have to go to bed early cause I get up super early with, with my wife. Uh, but so the, so I was like, okay, I got at this time cap. I thought I had a solution. I went and tried it and then it just didn't work again. And I was like, fuck. And so then I had to get, but I was like, it was bedtime. It was past bedtime. So, you, know, so you left on a I bug. Up, so I left on a bug, which uh, I was, but I was, I'd been on the bug anyway, Yeah, but I but left still like on the bug. That's a good term. But. I did as bugs, I was man. going to bed, as I was getting under the covers, I was like, wait, yep, there it is. Yep. <laughs> and I knew what it was, but I decided not to go actually do it. And then now you, you should have done it. I did not sleep well, but this morning I did it the moment I woke up and it works. So yeah, there you go. So it all came out fine, but that's been my life for the past few weeks. And so yeah, that's thanks. weird. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah. 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 Actually I spent, I spent my weekend uh, doing a lot of, a lot of sort of reading, thinking, writing. I refer uh, to that as noodling. It was a noodle weekend. Yeah. Beefy, noodle beefy weekend. nudes. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, beefy nudes, we got a question from Lethalor who says, "If you are what you eat, what okay. are you?" <laughs> oh, I was I was waiting for the direction of yeah. this. Yeah, question. so so I've been eating I've been eating uh, beefy noodles lately. Yeah, which we've shortened to beefy nudes. Just beefy just, nudes. Yeah, we just have a big just big old bowl of beefy nudes. It's just sort of throwing uh, some serrano peppers. Serrano peppers. You know, he's got hot beefy nudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So mostly, I'm just I'm just hot beefy nudes. Yeah, all the way down. Uh, I made dumplings with my wife's family on Sunday. I, so I've been eating a lot of dumplings. You're like a dumpling. shitload of dumplings. So you're a dumple. I'm a dumple. What are you at? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm mostly, I'm mostly like lunch meat, like sliced honey ham, cold, cold cuts. Yeah, cold yeah. cuts. So you're a cold cut. Which I think, I think <laughs> pigs are basically people anyway, when it comes to meat. That is you know? true. So that's something think that's always kind of weird. To me. I think I'm just a person still. The fact mm. that you can transplant a pig heart into a person and it's totally fine. I mean, it's and not then we totally eat fine, but, but I mean, it's it's pretty fine. Also, I think it's not the whole heart. I think it's just a valve. valve. Yeah. yeah. It's just some cartilage, you know, whatever. But the fact that you can transplant a pig body onto a person. <laughs> the you know? fact that you can. Yeah, the fact that yeah, you, you guys can, heard about this, right? There, this this first head transplant that this guy is trying to do is going to be now onto a pig. Now, this bothers me. Onto a pig? No, it's not really. This <laughs> bothers This head transplant thing bothers me. Not for the ethics, but because it's a body transplant. The right. head is the important part. Yeah. Why are, it's not. <laughs> you're not transplanting a head. It mostly bothers me because it's not going to work. And I mean, the whole yeah. thing is stupid. It's not going to work, but you'll be eating your words. But but, but the crazy like, it's like we haven't been able to fix people's people's spine injuries ever. This is a thing we cannot do. And this mm-hmm. guy's like, 
I'm going to cut off someone's head, which is the maximum spine injury. There's no, there's no, right. I'm <laughs> That's gonna, one way to put it. I'm going to cut off a person's head and just put it on a different body. Right. And even though nowhere else in the entire universe, and even I personally could not take somebody who has a spine injury and fix it. Somehow I'm going to just, gonna, if I give them a work. spine injury first, then I can fix <laughs> right. it. He's going to be a clean one. He's going to cut it uh, right. Just perfect. I guess maybe yeah. that's the idea. What are they going to use? Like a guillotine? Probably. No, you need like, like a, a big clean cut, right? You just use yeah. a butter knife or like a spoon. Can you imagine that Surgical operating room? Be like, all right, we're uh, going to wheel in the guillotine. Can someone sanitize the guillotine? <laughs> they just like <laughs> slap, spritz it. Slap, spritz it with some <laughs> out, rubbing alcohol. Oh, that's freaky. All right, let's move on for Yeah. <laughs> anyway, stupid head transplants. Okay. Uh, next question transplants. comes from minus five charisma. So I guess they oh, just, no, don't they answer just, it. They just rolled real shitty <laughs> on their really D and D care. Does that mean we should but answer this? We, the we need to. We actually need to do. What's a, the consequence? We need to do a. Check. We need to do it. We, we need to do roll. A, we need to do a. Uh, what is it, like a wisdom save? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in, I guess intelligence. Intellect would be like mm-hmm. what you do to to fight against charisma. Is it though? Because I feel like sometimes a lot of really smart people have terrible charisma. I think you just no. I no, think it's like a, somebody's using charisma on you. You know, you gotta you gotta roll. You I think you can just always throw. use a strength check because you can always you just, just punch. punch <laughs> <the fence. Yeah. laughs> or dexterity. Quit using those words at my face. <laughs> just sneak away. Just sneak away. <laughs> sneak. If someone's trying to trick you, you just you just back away. <laughs> just back away into the bushes over some yeah. stuff. You hear a politician on the radio and you just like sneak out of your car. <laughs> I'm gone. All right, so minus five charisma says, oh, also one of the benefits of minus five charisma. You get a lot of points left over to put into other yeah, things. True. So yeah. minus five charisma may very well be very talented. You could just be a mute, not worry about it. Yeah, well, if you never zero. talk. I think a zero is a mute. If you're minus five, you take words from other people. <laughs> You're so Whoa. you're so mute that when other people talk around you, it comes out of you. You're like word thief. Yeah, you're yeah. like the you're like the Vanta Black of sound. Yes. Whoa. Oh shit. Charm thief. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so minus five Christmas says hello like, butterscotch crew. Hello. Hey. So, uh, has there ever been an offhand remark or joke that turned into a eureka moment uh, for someone else at the office? Also, that sweet sweet hashtag vague hype. Oh yeah. Have a good one. All right. So. There's one in particular that I always look back on fondly, which is we were coming up with the elixirs oh, yeah. for, for Crashlands. <laughs> His answer is another question, too. Someone was asking about it. Oh. Someone asks about this potion, so this will, oh, okay. this will be a double whammy. I don't, I don't know where that question is, but we'll, we'll tag it mm-hmm. as answered, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> so the question, or the, uh, we were coming up with the elixirs, and we, had, we wanted to do like 20 different elixirs and these longer-term things that, you know, they're kind of expensive to make. And they provide a, a benefit to you. And so we kept talking about the speed boost one. We're like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's just going to give you a, like a 5 or 10% boost to your movement speed. It's going to be great. And over the course, it's one of those times where you keep saying the same word over and over again. And it starts to sound weird. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of loses its meaning. And then, you stumble and then on at it. a certain point, Adam said, spood beast. Elixir. <laughs> and this was while we were trying to figure out what it was made of. Mm-hmm. And we were like, holy shit, it's made of spood beasts. <laughs> Which wasn't actually a thing in the game. And so then Sam just drew this little, like, dumb little furry thing. thing, And then we just called it a spood beast. We called it a spood beast. And then we just threw it into a bunch of random resources Mm -hmm. throughout the game. So I think spood beasts come out of, like, whistle roots and jolly chomps. They are one of the few, you know, cross biome creatures. That's right. Spood beasts are everywhere. They're kind of like the tribble. They're tribble, basically. Of woe nope. It is funny, though, too, because the vast majority of people who play it and are, and are going to try, try to find Spood Beast to make their speed boost potions don't even make the connection. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't register. 
Yeah. Spood beast. Yeah, you get a spood beast, you make a speed boost. So yeah, there's tons of those that happen. I mean, we're always just the interesting thing is we're we're almost constantly in a state of play. I noticed this, I was thinking about this the other day, because we've been having a lot of fun at work. And I think it's because you know, someone will say something and then there's just there's always a brief riff. It basically is like the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It's a brief riff before you actually go into whatever the thing is. And sometimes in that joke is accidentally either yeah. the answer to the problem or an idea for the problem. Like we're talking about last week, you just embrace the chaos, right? Cause it, yeah. cause if, if when I had said spood beast, everybody does what most people do and just made fun of me for stumbling on a word, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if you're out in the real world, like that's people are just do that. They're like, mm-hmm. ha ha, you stumbled on a word for some reason. That's hilarious. And you're dumb, right? And now I'm going but to mock you. Now I'm going to mock fool. you. <laughs> so if instead <laughs> of doing that, you just laugh along with it and be like, Let's use that. Spood beast, right? Get those creative feelers out there, you know? Drifting in the winds. Because words are just made up anyway. Yeah. But, you know, this does, this is going to come back to the the idea of like a creative atmosphere. Yes. And and how how important it is to be supportive of people, even when they fuck up. Especially when they fuck up. Yeah. Because it's actually most importantly when they fuck up. Yeah. That's usually, that's where the the safety and and then also the randomness comes from. The accidental stuff that you couldn't, you couldn't possibly, if we sat down, we're like, let's come up with a creature that creates the speed boost potion. It wouldn't have been a spook beast. Mm -mm. No way you do that on purpose. Yeah. But accidentally just comes out. Yep. And if you, and if you are, if you're worried that any slip up you make will get you mocked, Mm -hmm. then you just won't talk. And then you'll never have a spook beast. No. Yeah. And your game will be terrible yep. as a result. <laughs> <laughs> All right. True. Absolute garbage. All right. Next question comes from Cathal. Cathal says, welcome to Time Flux Holidays. For a once in a lifetime opportunity, we can send you to any period of history for a month. Where would you like to go today? Well, the past. Period attire, food, and accommodation included. The past is universally worse and the future looks bleak. So I'm just going to stay right here. Yeah. I don't know. This seems like the best place right now. If you get period attire, if you go back to like the dinosaur era, do you get a dinosaur to ride? Are you just a dinosaur? Are you a dinosaur? That's period attire. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. That's that's what dinosaurs wore. Yeah, because humans didn't exist and didn't have clothes. I would go see stuff that you can't, that's not human related. Well, there's a question here. The question here is, are are as you as, an observer or do you have to actually sort of exist? I think in you're going to live. Well, you're going to live there. That's why I would just, I would just go. But was this a permanent change or a, a one, one month? One, one month. Because I mean, there are things I would like to, and it also has accommodation included. So you're going to have a place to stay. You're going to have food. I'm assuming if my safety's insured. If you're a dinosaur, because that's your attire, is that also your That's also your accommodation. Okay. Yeah. It's like, because you're like in a dinosaur. Ace <laughs> living in that rhino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's getting hot in this rhino. You're going to be in a robo dino. And that's going to be your uh, hotel. Yeah, I think I would go to before human history stuff, you know? Because I would like to see. We know a lot of stuff. I would like to see. Okay, so there's there used to be multiple types of human in the world. Ooh, yeah. Right? There were Neanderthals, yeah. huh? which they got wiped out like 30,000, 40,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there were these small people mm-hmm. that were on one island only. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there's this thing called, what is it called? Island dwarfism, dwarfism mm-hmm. where basically you have a, if you have an isolated Island that is not very rich in resources, if larger creatures end up there somehow, and then they become isolated and they can't leave, then if they manage to survive the offspring of theirs who do survive are the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. And so over just a period of generations, you get these like just smaller versions mm-hmm. of the same thing, Pygmy including elephants, people. Yeah. And, and elephants. So, yep. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's these little pygmy elephants and stuff. And so there there were these people who lived on this island. I think it was like 20,000 years ago or mm-hmm. something. Um and they were just small, scaled down. 
Yeah, yeah there was like, there was like a perfect scale, scale model. Yeah. Um, and I think then, the main problem though with going back to any of these and trying to see these other kinds of humans is they would just try to kill you immediately. Well, that's that's why I was like, are you safe? Or do yeah, you have think, to actually okay. be there? Let's assume safety is okay. guaranteed. Sure. You're basically showing up kind of like, you're like an alien. And I assume you're also on a different timeline. So by being there, you don't change the period attire. That means you got to wear like, I don't know, war paint and a strap or something. (laughs) Whatever. Just nothing. nothing. Going to buff. Um, Yeah. And then there was also these people who looked very different. uh, They were like found in one specific area, like the Red Deer Cave people, which I think were found somewhere in like China. East Asia. Yeah. Uh, Something like that. So like there was all these, there was one period of time, it was like a 5,000 year period mm. where there were four different types of human on the earth. Like types like, and species? Yeah. Like mm. Lord of the Rings style, right? Mm. Where like you've got, you've got like halflings and you've got like, you get know, you got your elves, you know, mm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, I would want to see that. But I don't know why. It would just be perspective, I it guess. It would be interesting, but it's yeah. just like going to see the dinosaurs. I mean, yeah. it would probably, you know, probably kind of boring because you'd see the people and be like, "Wow, those people they don't look, exist." They, and then, but then they'd just be going around just doing regular people stuff. Yeah, and they look the same <laughs> as like all the weird people we've invented in our mythology. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. so actually, maybe that would be boring. Uh, dinosaurs, though. Yeah, I'd go see dinosaurs. See some, park me. See some dinos. Yep. Can I, go, these dinos. can I go? <laughs> under the, can I go under the ocean? Like somehow be because going into like dinosaur actually even before dinosaur time. Oh man, that'd shit be terrifying. The ocean, oh my god, cool. I wouldn't go in there. Well, I mean, you would need to be. Your accommodations was, are included, so you have a submarine, yeah. I assume, or and it's and it's it assume, be a huge yeah, it's presumably submarine. like enormous animal proof. Yeah, submarine of some sort. Now there's a question here, which is. Do the things that you do on this vacation ripple through time? No, I think Adam was saying it's got to also be a separate time. Well, separate so branch. either either we've already gone on this vacation because that's that's why that's time just part is of the how timeline. it is, right? Because yeah. we got to prevent paradoxes, or it's on a new time. Well, so I either way, we're fine. I haven't already gone on this vacation because not yet. You if haven't. I did, I would probably I would find some kind of like a caveman uh, stock to invest in. Mm, because right. the grow the compound interest mm. over fifteen thousand years, it's pretty good. Oh yeah, find the oldest insane. bank that still exists today. Just open up a regular. Take a month. Go back to when they first started. Just get a really long CD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. No, you go. You go to the. You go to like nineteen thirty. You know, like right after the stock market has just completely bottomed out. Oh, yeah. Right. Buy all the stocks. The problem is you need to get money that existed in the 1930s. Cause you can't just like yeah. bring a $20 bill from right. today. They'd be like, yeah. what is this demon money? Right. Cause it'll yeah. have it's all these crazy right, things in quite. it. Right. Yeah. Mm. Who's this weird person on here? Yeah. So you gotta be, I mean, it's tricky. You gotta, we gotta really execute. And I still got so you have to, to bring a whole bunch of gold with you or something and then sell it for Oh yeah, there dollars. you go. Gold always works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where you would it's hard, sell that You can't that carbon date it because it's gold. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know where it came from. You can't tell it came from the future. Mm-hmm. Done. That's true. All right, everybody. Well, my coffee is empty. Mm. As is mine. So you know what that means. No. It means we're done. Oh. Uh, so we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, and our studio wrangler, Monique, uh, for pulling this episode together, as well as the Scotch dev team for continuing to build stuff while we sit in here screaming like a pack of wild banshees. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'd also like to thank our listeners for coming back every week to listen to us ramble like a bunch of weirdos. And also, we don't advertise this show. We have, we have no plan mm-hmm. here. We don't know what the hell we're doing. 
which means we rely on you guys. We depend on word of mouth and good reviews to, to kind of spread this show around and spread the love. So if you want to help us grow, please tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell your dog's grandma. And while you're at it, hit up iTunes, uh, give us some, give us some five stars. Every little bit helps. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.